It takes more than bolt closing Jira tickets with won't fix to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 224. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about all the soft stuff that goes into software development, such as declaring Jira bankruptcy. (laughs) I feel like you could track something about our careers by figuring out how often the word Jira appears in the intro tagline things. Ooh, (laughs) ouch. I don't know what that would tell you, but it would tell you something. It tell you the scope of your management responsibilities. The size of the company you work at, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It correlated. <laughs> oh, but it feels so good. It It's like when you just select all your unread emails and hit delete. <laughs> it's pretty much the same feeling. I don't think I've ever done that. I've done it. Once I very carefully made sure that the only unread emails are ones I can safely delete. But I've never just rolled the dice and said, I hope I don't delete the one email that causes me to get fired. Right. Someday. (laughs) What a way to go. (laughs) That would be. (laughs) You just... (laughs) Today is Gambling Tuesday. (laughs) Today I just delete all my emails without reading them. See how long you can go. I want to thank our wonderful patrons... Thank you very much to the folks who are supporting the show at the level where we shout them out every single week. Thank you very much to Oladapo Fadii, Kiaran Svensson, Ragnar Hardison, Alexander, Microconfig.io, Nick, Travis Sanders, Evgeny Sladkowski, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, Philip John Basile, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Luke Bayless, Ryan Real McCoy, Vinlock, Stanley Tactical Radio, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantar, and Sean. Thank you so much. You help keep the show going. You help provide meaning to my life by making it <laughs> clear that I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know. Uh, the lesson I took from that is money equals meaning. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the lesson I take every day. Thank you to everybody else who supported the show. If you support the show for any amount of time, for any dollar amount greater than zero and one billing cycle <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> onto your card, then we will invite you to our Soft Skills Engineering Slack, which is great and full of kind, helpful people who who really support each other. It's kind of nice to see all the community that has sprung up there. Very nice. I'd also like to thank Vettery, which is sponsoring this episode. Vettery is an online marketplace where you can find great companies to employ you as a software developer. You can go to vettery.com slash soft skills and you'll hear more about them later. Do you, Jameson, want to read our first question? Absolutely. I will read it starting now. From Anonymous. Hi, Dave and Jameson. I'm in my mid-20s working at a large company with 1,000 plus devs. My direct manager, let's call him Bob, is probably in his late 40s and is from a different country and has a wife and two children who live in his home country. He currently manages about 20 devs in multiple scrums. Last month, I had my mid-year performance review with Bob. I am pretty sure that I've done a great job in the first half of the year. I made a few performance improvements, designed and implemented a few new systems, and even saved the company from a potential lawsuit. I think that I'm already delivering much more than the typical junior developer. Bob seems to disagree. He only gave me a mediocre review. When I pushed him for his reasoning, he seemed to avoid the question and just told me to focus on the whole year review instead. Last week, I came to know that Bob is filing a divorce. I would think that he is probably feeling quite depressed. Nonetheless, it bothers me to feel that my review score is somehow related to his personal affairs. He rushed all of his reviews at the last deadline. I get the feeling that he is dispirited and didn't focus on giving his team a thorough and honest review. 
I don't want to bring this up to Bob's manager, as it would probably make him even more miserable. I also don't think I can give him divorce advice. <laughs> what would you do? Oh, you preempted us. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to parent trap this situation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I just watched that movie this summer. The old one or the new one? We watched the old one. Ah. It's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I guess, yeah, Parent Trap is a movie where these twins that, I think they split and one goes with one spouse, like one goes with the mom, one goes with the dad. Yeah. And then they conspire to get their parents back together after they... Successfully, I might add. Yeah. It all works out in the end for the twins. Right. <laughs> for the twins. <laughs> The mom and dad are back into a toxic relationship, but the twins have an intact family. Yeah, and mom and dad's previous partners are out of there, so. Right. <laughs> Depends on who you're rooting for, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. So a couple of things that struck me. One is Bob has a lot of direct reports. 20-ish devs. That's a lot of people to... To rush reviews for through? Well, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if Bob had 10 direct reports, then he could just bang out those reviews in an afternoon. But yeah, 20 <laughs> devs, at that number, you can't have a detailed understanding of the performance of every developer that reports to you. Some you might if you work more closely with them, but there are going to be some that you just don't really know what they do or how it goes, and you're working from very limited kind of glimpses into their output that you get every so often. I'm just, I'm imagining Bob has like a template where it's like, okay exceeds expectations, meets expectations, below expectations. And he's got like this default text that he writes up for each one. And he just kind of round robins through, <laughs> through all 20. <laughs> all right, let me take a look at our stack ranking curve that we need to fit. Okay, let me just roll some dice. And all right, reviews done. <laughs> Boy, why do people complain about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other wild thing is that when you asked Bob for his reasons, he said, I don't know, shut up and... <laughs> work hard so your next review won't be bad or something to that effect like literally the whole point of the performance review is so that you can understand where you stand and why that's where you stand if your boss like you might not agree with the reasons but if they just don't have any reasons then that's pretty ridiculous yeah it means they don't know yeah it means they made it up or that or like it's something that they maybe don't feel comfortable writing down in a right in an hr document like they just don't like you or it's not something related to measurable work output. Yeah. So this seems bad. Yeah. Now, I, okay. Now let me take the opposite side of that argument, which is, okay, Bob might actually be right. It could, he might know that the mid-year mid review is just a formality that has no bearing on your compensation or career trajectory. And he just has to push the paper through. And so he's like, just don't worry about it. Yeah. So that's how it is at my company. It's like an informal check-in that doesn't affect things and doesn't get written down anywhere. But just saying, don't worry about it. I just kind of rolled the dice and this is the review that came up for you. Yeah. It's really dissatisfying <laughs> because well, yeah. the point of it is supposed to be to help you understand where you stand. And if you need to make changes, help you make them before it is written in stone and goes right. on your permanent record and affects Ooh. stuff. So saying, don't worry about it. Like, how, how are you supposed to improve if Bob just says, hey, you're not doing well. And I can't tell you why. Just do better. Don't worry about that either. Yeah, don't worry about it. And you'll find out for real at the end of the year in the real review. <laughs> Best of luck to you. Bob's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. 
at the annual review, I'm also going to roll the dice. So don't worry about it. <laughs> There's no possible way that anything you could do could affect <laughs> the dice roll. <laughs> I have bought perfectly weighted dice and don't worry. Literally don't worry. I'm using cryptographically secure random number generation. Unless you can affect the the rate that isotopes degrade in the atmosphere <laughs> or something, then... Now, there, there is some evidence that uh, rolling the dice might actually be as effective at choosing the correct performance <laughs> assessment anyway. So Bob might not be too far off here. Yeah, Bob has taken the null hypothesis approach to performance reviews. He's doing the thing that you compare against to see if you're doing if you're making a difference or not That's right <laughs> yes perfect he is yes creating a perfect control baseline yeah yeah that's a real bummer if you so the divorce stuff to me is interesting because i like drama okay <laughs> but i don't think if bob wasn't getting divorced and gave you a crappy review I don't think I would act differently than if Bob was getting divorced and gave me a crappy review because either way... You would act a little differently. I mean, if he wasn't getting divorced, you wouldn't give him divorce advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, Well, you don't know that. (laughs) Maybe... (laughs) Maybe that's just my default advice to every boss that gives me a bad review is... Yeah, listen, Bob. Uh, 54% of marriages end in divorce. So yeah, Here, here's some advice on how to how to do a prenup. <laughs> Listen, happily married Bob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, lifelong bachelor Bob. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Not yet married, which means you're yet to be divorced. <laughs> it's like they say there's only two kinds of hard drives, those that have failed and those that will fail. I mean, you could apply that same advice. But yeah, I mean, it, it stinks for Bob. And if this has affected his review of you, that stinks. But either way, I think you focus on the review, not what Bob is going through. I I think, do you think, Jameson, I I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Would you feel comfortable? Now, that's the wrong way to ask it. You'll definitely say no if I ask it that way. (laughs) Would you be willing to go to your boss and say, Bob, the details in this performance review are unacceptable and I I expect higher standards from you? Would I be willing to do it? Yes. Maybe. I think if I disagreed strongly enough with it, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it more, I, I think so. There's a there's kind of a culture of like accountability for performance reviews where I work, where y- you might not love it, but you can certainly talk about it more. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not that the expectation is that you will agree with everything that's written, but the expectation is if you have concerns, you can bring them up. So I think I would. I thought you were going to ask... Would I be willing to say, hey, I think you're giving me a bad review or a, or a, a lazily done review because you're getting divorced? Ah. <laughs> Can you not do that? What's your answer to that question? And that I would probably not do. Okay, me too. No, I don't think I would do that. I think this might be one of those situations where you just have to pretend like Bob is not having major personal problems in his life. Yeah, I don't think it affects how you address it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you got a performance review that you were dissatisfied with and not not just because it's not the ranking you wanted, but because it doesn't have actionable input. And that, I think, is what you need to latch on to and just try to forget about the personal issues going on in Bob's life. Yeah. You suggested bringing it up directly with Bob. The question asker says they don't want to bring it up to Bob's manager. Yeah. Is that a thing you would do? Oh, I I would try with Bob first. So here's the thing. 
If you yeah. want to get a good performance review, you need to be clear before it happens with what you need in the performance review in order for you to consider it to be good. So, you know, you need examples, maybe. You need actionable uh, guidance for what to change. And you need to go to your boss with these things beforehand. And frankly, I think these, this would be a good thing to do just in general before performance review time. Yeah. So that they know what you expect out of it. And then, so you asked me about Bob's boss. I would do that first. And then I would see how the next one goes. Do that first, meaning talk to Bob, right? Yeah, talk to Bob first. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to say go to his boss first. Talk to Bob first. <laughs> first thing you do, Yeah. right over his head. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Just drive a truck over his career. Let me tell you the secrets to a good performance review from your boss. <laughs> That's right. Backstabbing. I would go to Bob first and say, I was, I'm not satisfied with the details in this review. I need more information in order to improve and make sure that I'm performing at the level that expected by the company. Then I would say, here's what I want. And I would lay it out. And then in the next review, and I know this is a dissatisfying answer because you're going to have to wait six months. But in the next review, I would see if Bob delivers. And if he doesn't, then I go to his boss and say, I'm not getting the career guidance I need. Oh, you wouldn't make it based on some more detail added to the current re review. You would just say like, do better next time, please. And then check next time. Yeah, exactly. The pragmatist inside me thinks that Bob doesn't have enough information <laughs> to do that because he's been checked out. Yeah. But now that he knows... Getting that, a divorce, managing 20 devs. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he doesn't have the info. Now, to be fair, Bob could actually go and interview your peers and collect the information needed. But he has 20 devs to manage, so that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it might, though. I mean, if you're a squeaky enough wheel, you might get the guidance you need, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. It is a tricky situation because say you do go to Bob's boss, whether after this review or the next one, it's, it's unlikely to work out that your boss will admit he made a mistake or like commit to do better, and then things will just improve radically. I think that for most folks would have some effect on your long-term relationship if they felt like, oh, now this person will go over my head whenever I do something they don't like. And even if they're doing a bad job, even if Bob is doing a bad job, like Bob's defensive instincts will kick in. Right. And he will figure out a way to make it your fault that he's in trouble <laughs> or that his boss now has this negative opinion of him or knows this bad thing that happened on his team. It might even become your fault that he's getting divorced. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like anonymous, always sticking their nose in. Yeah. <laughs> planting poison in the ears of people I'm close to. <laughs> so I feel like in a way, that's like a sacrificial move where maybe Bob improves later on, but it's probably going to hurt your relationship and it would be hard to work with Bob yeah. long-term after that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think, I like your point about um, trying to get expectations about performance reviews way ahead of the performance reviews. And maybe you can focus on that now. And mm -hmm. instead of just saying, hey, I don't like this one, give me more detail now. You can say like, how can I provide you information that'll help you give me a, an accurate performance review? Yes. Because maybe they don't, I don't know, maybe they don't even have any, maybe you don't even write anything. Maybe Bob just sits down and says like, hmm, what do I think? And then tells you. Rolls the dice and <laughs> <laughs> picks one. <laughs> Shakes the magic eight ball. Yeah. Magic eight ball says meets expectations. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think it's worth talking to Bob. Oh, yeah. I like our strategy of not mentioning the divorce. Are you saying that you should divorce the topic of the divorce from the topic of the performance review ah yes i think so <laughs> i guess i am <laughs> yeah if it we haven't said quit your job in a while but <laughs> working for a bad boss yes who 
doesn't support you and doesn't have a clear understanding of where you can improve and isn't willing to kind of work with you is not a great situation. So that might be a case to use the old quit your job advice. Yep, could be. Bad bosses can make your life way worse. Or transfer teams. It's a big company. Mediocre or good bosses. Yeah, that's true. I guess quit quit your boss. Right. <laughs> Perfect. That's yeah. our new catchphrase. And if, well, ugh, this is where it gets tricky though. Lots of places have rules where you cannot transfer teams if you have subpar reviews yes. for some period of time. So so let's hope the dice come up good next time. Yeah. <laughs> Better replace the magic eight ball with one of your own choosing that has different weights. Little raspberry pie on the bottom manipulating the... Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. All right. Have we answered the question? I think so. Question answered. If you've been a software developer at the same job for a few years, it might be time to start looking around. Quit your job is our favorite advice, but first you should probably find a new job. <laughs> Trust me, it is better this way. <laughs> Check out a service called Vettery, which matches developers with employers based on what you want, like your location, salary requirements, and technologies you want to work with. I actually signed up myself, and within a week, they sent me an opportunity that looked really good. My current approach to job seeking is tweet dumb stuff and hope the company notices me. So this sounds like an improvement, I think. <laughs> yeah. Once you sign up, you get a consultant to help you find opportunities. I also like that Vettery lets you specify your salary requirements early rather than going through the whole interview process only to find out, wah, wah, your salary expectations were way off. That actually happened to me in an interview. It would have been nice to avoid that. You can start using Vettery without reversing a linked list on a whiteboard too. They don't have a coding test to sign up. If you are thinking about taking our advice, the soft skills engineering patented advice and quitting your job, check out Vettery. Go to vettery.com slash soft skills to sign up. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-Y dot com slash soft skills. If you use that link, you will help support the show. And if you get a job through Vettery, they will send you $300. Thank you so much to Vettery for sponsoring the show. All right. Shall I read our next one? Please. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hi there. I just graduated from undergrad and will be starting my career in just a few days. A big question on my mind going in is whether software development is the right career for me. I landed here because my parents saw me tinkering with HTML as a kid and pushed me into a CS major and this job. Me personally, I had wildly varying attitudes towards programming in college. Some days I was so hungry that I threw myself into hackathons and side projects. Other days I was ready to drop my CS major. All this left me unsure of where I really stand. I'm grateful to have ended up on this path, but as I think more long-term, I question whether I'm really here for the long haul. What signs could I look for to gauge my compatibility with the tech industry or help me decide whether this career is really for me? Either way, thanks so much for making this podcast. It's been a great window into the world that I'm about to join. Hmm. So has done CS in school, about to get a full-time career, but is not sure if they actually want this or not. Yeah. Because of some some kind of ebbing and flowing interest in the field, I guess. Yes, that's how I took it. And a little parental pressure. <laughs> uh, good news. It's nothing like school. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different from studying for a CS major. That's true. Except, well, it's it's not totally different. You know, when you're sitting in the computer science lab trying to get your program working and calling the teaching assistant over for the seventh time to try to verify that your program meets the requirements like yeah. is, isn't that really just like testing in prod <laughs> yeah yeah i guess that part of it kind of feels similar <laughs> but there are not often like late night deadlines that you're yeah cramming to meet 
I got to get this bug fixed by 12 or I'll get an F. Right. My no. performance review. Also, you don't get to throw away all of your code every semester. Yeah. You have to hold on to it. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, if you hate the act of writing computer programs, then that is still part of your job. But yeah. <laughs> there's, it's, it's pretty different. It's a pretty different feel overall from studying CS. So you might learn some stuff by just going to work. Yeah. And now you get to go to meetings and write computer programs. Mm, yeah. And for most developers, meetings are free time. It's like recess. <laughs> recess. It's like that recess you had in college. Yeah. <laughs> Anonymous went to a, a forward-thinking liberal arts school that had a recess program. Yep, and nap times. Yeah. <laughs> like scheduled as as classes you had to take, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I actually empathize a little bit with this listener because when I started school, my parents encouraged me to do mechanical engineering. And I agreed with this because I liked Legos. And of course, that means you're qualified to be a mechanical engineer. <laughs> it came in handy on, on my high-level Lego courses. Yeah. <laughs> Technique courses. Yeah. Of course, clicking Legos together... I found very quickly has basically nothing to do with mechanical engineering, but it turns out stringing together random things you find in bags on the internet is a lot like web programming. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never looked back. You know how when you just grab all the Lego pieces off the ground and throw them all in a bucket and they just like merge into this Lego stew? Uh-huh. That's called Stack Overflow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to dig through it for that piece you need. Yep. Okay. So did you study mechanical engineering and then change majors in school? I did one year. So my first year in college, I took a couple of mechanical engineering classes during that time. Um, and I absolutely hated them. Just could not stand them. Hmm. And then I switched to computer science because all, you know, actually, this is kind of a stupid and funny story that will reveal just how little I understood the world at the time I started college. I told myself that I could never stand to sit in front of a computer all day. So I'm going to choose mechanical engineering. <laughs> like, I don't know what I thought mechanical engineers did. Were you thinking of mechanics? <laughs> you know, with like the welders and like wrenches. I don't know, those power wrenches. And those are pretty cool. Those guys that really get their hands dirty, you know? Yeah. Mechanical engineers. Right. <laughs> Fix cars. Yeah. So, yeah. although frankly, I am much happier now that I, I did a computer science degree because when I go to my in laws on holidays, they don't ask me to fix their cars, they just ask me to fix their computers. Yeah. Much better. It's way easier to just like swap out someone's computer without them right. noticing you did it than their car. <laughs> if you broke it too deeply to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I may or may not have done that before. <laughs> what are the signs uh, that this person could look for to gauge compatibility with the tech industry? Boy, com- the word, just the phrase compatibility with the tech industry kind of puts shivers down my spine. <laughs> it's incredibly broad. That's, I mean, they sound different from you in that. They sometimes really liked it and sometimes were frustrated or fed up. Mm -hmm. That, to me, doesn't seem like they just bounced hard off the idea of programming at all. Yeah, me too. I I think it sounds great. Yeah. 
I, I mean, maybe focus on the parts that you liked and see if you can gravitate more towards that. If you really liked one of your classes or felt really pumped about a specific subject, like there's plenty of room to specialize and the field is super broad and it's pretty easy if you get in to like ease your way into a non-software role. Like if you start as a developer, there are well-trod paths to product management or oh. project management or or like, I don't know, engineering management. Although mm-hmm. if you really don't like programming, that's probably not great. But like there are, there are all these related careers that are kind of tech adjacent, but aren't you working as a software developer? Yeah, like UI designer. Yeah, exactly. Or m- mechanic. <laughs> mechanic, yeah. If, I mean, if you want to like drop out of society and live in the mountains, then you'll require a more drastic change than going to work at a large company and trying to <laughs> trying to make friends with the boss that manages the team you like. But I don't think there's like a lumberjack team that you could kind of ease your way into. Yeah. <laughs> lumberjack. But if it's not that... <laughs> I know we work on the mobile app for our bank, but are there any lumberjack teams in the company? (laughs) (laughs) Do you need anyone to test connectivity in the Appalachian mountain range? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. While making a life for themselves? So I remember kind of looking down the long road of my career and just like right when I was getting out of college and starting out and just being nervous. Like, will I be able to find a job? Will I be able to earn enough money to take care of myself you know will i get fired am i cut out for this and you know in my experience those questions i think the signal that it's working out is that those questions fade into the background instead of constantly coming back up for me Hmm. so if you stop thinking about those questions the answer is yes for the good ones and no for the bad ones because there was a mix in there can't say yes for all because then you'll get fired and some other bad stuff yeah, I, I think it, to, so take our advice with a grain of salt. That's the, I know this is an advice podcast and right. nobody else <laughs> listened to this part, but sometimes our advice is not perfect for you. Okay, everyone else can listen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if it were me, I think I would just start work and see if I enjoyed the, the act of working there. And if I really hated it, then you can start making your plan to to switch into something else. There's also good news. Lots of people really hate their jobs, their whole lives. <laughs> so <laughs> you could be one of those people too, where you just hate work and you do as little of it as possible. And, and, and keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. And just live your life in misery every day, Monday through Friday. And you're like the bad guy in office space. And yeah. <laughs> Not, not like a specific character, like the whole philosophy office space is right. against, but just really get into kayaking on the weekends or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. I would say more people hate their jobs than love them. I don't know. Is that fair? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think I mostly work with people that like their jobs. Well, I do too. I do too, to be fair. I mostly interact with people outside of work that don't like their jobs. Yeah. Same. <laughs> so, same. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the thing though. You're at this juncture and you're having these concerns, but you don't actually have a choice right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like you, you just finished four years of college. You've invested all this into it. It's not like you're completely repelled by the by the industry. So what really are your options? Go back to school and study mechanical engineering? I don't think so. So I would say just do it. Go to work. 
and set those questions aside for some period of time. I would say give it a couple of years and give it a fair shake that way and then see what happens, you know, and see if those questions fade into the background or if you're constantly saying, I hate my job, I hate my job. And there's a little like corollary to that, which is my experience right out of college was I did land in a job that I hated and I spent, <laughs> I spent 18 months there and it was terrible. And it took me a long time to realize that I should exit that job. But if I had conflated hating the job and the company and the product with hating the industry as a whole, I would have been, I would have cut myself short. And instead I, mm. I ended up jumping to another company that I absolutely loved. And it turned out to be really, really great. So there's a lot of variables here and be careful to not discard an entire industry because of your first experience being bad. And it will probably be bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you won't know if it's bad or not. You won't know how bad experience. it is. <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable to me. I, I like the, the fatalism of like, well, what else are you going to do? Like, yeah, seriously. you need to work. You're not qualified to do anything else. <laughs> there are worse industries to take a paycheck for work you don't enjoy yes. than software. Because the paycheck is much better than other places you could do work you don't enjoy. It is. I mean, that's maybe another option. If you find yourself really hating it, then that probably affects what you do with that paycheck. Maybe you have to take a pay cut to get into a field that you like or right. just take some time to figure out what you need without working or something. I don't know. Okay. Have we answered the question? I feel like we probably didn't because we're so... You and I have this bias where we are so far removed from this point in our life that it's hard for us to remember what it was like to start out and have all that uncertainty ahead of us. I got a little bit of the way, part way down the path of that in medicine where I did a bunch of pre-med classes and some of them I loved and some of them I hated. And the thing that made the decision was I failed the ones I hated enough and <laughs> did not get good enough grades to submit. I, I mean, I didn't like finish. I just looked at my grades in the classes and thought, you know, if I really wanted to be a doctor, I would have studied harder for this test. Mm. And I didn't. So I don't think I do. But if you've finished, I mean, I don't know. That said, you at least can put up with it. Yeah. And the fact that you did side projects, that speaks volumes. I know a lot of people who come through CS programs and they've never touched a piece of code outside of their assigned projects. Yeah. I know people like that too. And and they mostly all get jobs. I don't know if they like their jobs or not, but yeah. they, they are employed. They exchange their time for money. Right, right. And they're probably fine. Yeah. Just save all your money and get into like Bitcoin or something. <laughs> we're going to pivot to a cryptocurrency advice podcast right which which inevitably goes to time travel always buy it in the past <laughs> here's what you're going to do you're going to get highly leveraged <laughs> in 2003 <laughs> <laughs> okay now i'm pretty sure we've answered it okay it's good all right good luck i i would love to know how this ends up for you what can people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to softskills.audio and click our little ask a question button where you can fill out our form. Thank you so much to those who have done that. If you want to support the show, you can follow us on Twitter at softskillseng. You can share the show with your friends and leave us a rating. Thank you to everybody that does that. We will catch you next week.